What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 13 of Fungo Talk. Um, surprised that we're already on the 13th episode as the college baseball season is uh, winding down, unfortunately. We've had uh, quite a few weekends of postseason baseball, starting with the regionals, which was once again the craziest weekend of baseball I've ever witnessed in my life. Um, and the super regionals have uh, definitely matched up well to it as they're still going on as we speak. Uh, we have seven of the eight spots in Omaha clinched with uh, the eighth one being played for as we speak between Auburn and Oregon State. Uh, once again, before we go ahead and get into the Super Regional Recap, wanted to make sure that you're following us on Twitter at FungoTalkPod, uh, on Instagram at FungoTalkPod underscore, or search Podcast. Leave us a five-star rating on both Apple and Spotify podcasts, as well as a great review. Uh, so without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the uh, the Super Regional Recap. And James, if you want to go ahead and get us started with uh, the Knoxville Super Regional. Yeah, so Knoxville, um, it was deemed by fans to be, if you're well-versed in the uh, 30 for 30 world or really the sports world in general, um, it was deemed the football game between Notre Dame and Miami was the Catholics versus convicts. Well, this one was deemed the Catholics versus the classless, where we saw the uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish shock the world and take down the number one seeded Tennessee Volunteers in a series that took all three games. The Irish took game one, eight to six, behind the bats of Jack Brannigan and Carter Putz, who combined to drive in five runs on two homers, and the bullpen was stellar, of course, led by Alex Rayo and Jack Finley, who got the job done on the back end of game two. We saw the Tennessee that we were used to as the balls won 12-4, to led by the SEC pitcher of the year, Chase Dolander, who only allowed two runs and seven innings of work, uh, just a normal day at the office for him. And then in game three, it was a classic. Jack Finley cemented his name into Irish history going five shutout innings of work, only allowing one hit. And David LaManna hit a three-run bomb in the seventh off freshman phenom Chase Burns. And Brannigan followed it with a solo shot of his own, and the Irish pulled away 7-3, to three, and that was the final. That was a yeah, good that, one. Yeah, that was, that was really everything we expected it to be. Uh, I kind of feel like we're the only two kind of giving Notre Dame more of a shot than most people in this series as we saw, you know, their bullpen's one of the best, if not the best in the country. I mean, Jack Finley, Jack Finley's a, a damn dude. Like there's no other way to put it, uh, to go in, shut him down in game one, um, out of the pen and then go five shutout innings against the best lineup in the entire country at their park. I mean, that's, that's incredible. I mean, it was game three was back and forth, um, three, three to three. And then, like we said, Lamana hit the three run shot. Uh, the Irish pulled away on a back-to-back homers by Brannigan. Um, also, as you guys may know, uh, game one was the Drew Gilbert game. Uh, Drew Gilbert yeah. led, a, led a nice um, nice FU to the umpire after a borderline strike call, I believe, in the sixth inning of that game one. And then, of course, was ejected and uh, suspended for the next game, game two, which obviously Tennessee uh, held their own and won 12-4, but – yeah, Notre Dame was hot, and they played better baseball all weekend. They definitely deserved that spot in Omaha. Yeah, um, 
He didn't drop one F-bomb. He dropped, like, two or three. <laughs> uh, I don't know what he was expecting when he got tossed. His face kind of, you know, I don't understand what he was thinking. But if you disrespect baseball in any way, fashion, or form, it's going to come back and it's going to kick you right in the teeth. And we saw a perfect example of that as they're not going to Omaha. Uh, they've been what you would consider, I guess, classless all year. And uh, I guess it finally caught up to him, if you believe in that kind of thing. Yeah, the baseball gods always prevail for sure, and this is definitely a case of it. Um, getting into the second Super Regional we have in Palo Alto, uh, the Nerds of Stanford. They're returning to Omaha after beating UConn back-to-back days to advance to their second straight College World Series. Uh, UConn, of course, took that game one 13-12 after holding off Stanford's furious comeback of home runs in the ninth inning. And then Stanford responded, winning 8-2 to two in Game 2, and then 10-5 to five today uh, to advance on to the College World Series. Uh, we had two-way freshman standout, Braden Montgomery, once again cemented himself as a top talent in all of college ball, going yard in Game 2, as well as Drew Bowser uh, leaving the building and letting us know that Princess Peach is indeed safe. Um, Bowser has homered 10 times in his last 12 games. That's, that's like unheard of. I've actually never seen that before. Uh, Tommy Troy once again delivered on off in the postseason. Get this. So the last two seasons, Tommy Troy's hit eight homers combined in the two regular seasons that he's played. Uh, but in the postseason, which is the last two postseasons, he's hit nine combined homers just in the two postseason runs that they've had. Uh, Ryan Bruno out of the pen was absolutely dominant as it's been all year. Uh, proved that once again and gave Stanford big outs all weekend in clutch, clutch moments. And Stanford ran away with it today. Uh, Cody Huff kind of ended things with a grand slam that might have hit a classroom in the freaking class buildings behind the trees in Sunken Diamond. I mean, that was that was every bit of like 450 feet. Uh, Stanford's rolling. Uh, that took that L in game one and responded in a huge way. And they're rolling into Omaha. Yeah, Stanford, I mean, I, I... – expected them to come out of that one. I don't remember exactly who I picked on that episode, but I like Stanford coming out of that one. Uh, we picked Texas State, didn't we? We did, yes. Yeah, we did. We did. I mean, I still like Stanford coming out of that one. And once they once they ended up winning that regional, um, I kind of figured they'd been battle-tested throughout the year and then the weekend previous to handle whatever UConn was going to throw at them. UConn gave a a lot better fight than I thought they would have, though. I didn't have UConn beating Maryland. Oh, yeah, me either, no doubt. And, like, I mean, UConn won 50 games this year, and we're pretty damn close to advancing to Omaha. I mean, that would have been a hell of a story uh, for sure. But Stanford once again proved that they were the, uh, the better club playing better baseball. Uh, responded in a big way, like we said. And, yeah, uh, they're hot. And the, uh, the smart guys putting on for the West Coast, they are in Omaha. Now, the other West Coast um, Super Regional, we have Corvallis with the Oregon State Beavers. And as we're recording this, they are playing their game three. Yes? Yes. Game three against Auburn, right? Is it a game three? Uh, correct. Yeah, it's yeah, currently it four to three Auburn going to the bottom of the eighth. I couldn't remember if they'd started a day later something. I can remember. Anyways, back to it. They're playing right now, Auburn, Oregon State for that last spot in Omaha. 
Uh, game one was taken by the Tigers uh, by a score of seven to five. Their bullpen was amazing as it has been for a good majority of the SEC season. Uh, John Armstrong was the big name Friday or in game one. Tommy Sheehan and Carson Skipper also got jobs done. Game two was the Cooper Herpy show. Very infectious. Uh, he went five and two-thirds with six strikeouts and exited to a well-deserved standing ovation from the crowd. And the Beavers held on four to three to force the game they're playing right now. And that one has been tight the entire weekend. Like, there hasn't been a moment where one team has looked like they had it above the other at any point. Yeah, I agree for sure. I mean, it's definitely been one of the, the closest super regional matchups that we've seen. Uh, Auburn got things started with uh, Sonny D, of course, Sonny Deshara hitting that homer opposite field in game one. Um, but Oregon State has responded almost every time that Auburn has scored. And, yeah, it's it's been great baseball to watch. Uh, like we said, you know, 4-3, bottom of the eighth now. Uh, Oregon State's running out of outs, and if Auburn can pull off that upset, that's going to be huge. And that's really going to make the uh, the entire Omaha field just completely wide open, even more than it already is. Um, I would I would ahead. honestly argue that one's a bigger upset than the Tennessee-Notre Dame one. Yeah, no, I, I would have to agree with that for sure. I mean, like we said, Notre Dame, I feel like was not, not slept on really, but uh, – Should have hosted – I should have hosted. Yeah, definitely should have hosted. I, I don't think Notre they're Dame a top five. On. They're a five. Yeah, they're a top five team in talent. I mean, they're one of the, if not, I mean, their top talent compares to Tennessee hand in hand. Tennessee's just deeper. So I mean, yeah, I, no doubt. Yeah, I like I like this one as the biggest upset of the tournament. But you beat number one at on the road. You're gonna get you know whatever flowers you, you receive, so. Yeah, and Auburn's, Auburn's rode, the, rode the bats of Deshara and Bobby Pierce all week, or excuse me, all year. Uh, you know, they've homered. Sonny Deshara actually hit his second home run earlier today uh, to give Auburn a lead, and then Auburn took a 4-1 to lead on a squeeze play, which small ball wins championships, of course. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if Auburn can get this done. Uh, but, yeah, definitely one of the – Closest super regional matchups, uh, games one through three that we have seen um, all postseason. And getting into uh, game, or excuse me, super regional number four, which will make me a very happy person to talk about. Uh, the Oklahoma Sooners are returning to Omaha for the 11th time in school history and the first time since 2010. Uh, they took down the number four seed in Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. Uh, Jake Bennett in game one was outstanding once again going seven innings, allowing one earned run with eight strikeouts against one of the top lineups in the country. And OU held on to win that game five to four. You had the uh, the diving play by John Spikerman on the hard hit ball by Gavin Cross in the ninth inning uh, to secure the win. Uh, Virginia Tech responded, however, in game two, showing once again why they were one of the top lineups in the country, uh, winning 14 to eight, led by five home runs by the offense. Uh, the real highlight was Jonah Herney, the lefty out of the pen, uh, shut down Oklahoma, out of the bullpen, four innings, one and in run with seven Ks and his best performance all year. Um, and the offense, you know, Nick Bittison hit two homers, Gavin Cross, Showell. I mean, I could go on and on about their offense. They have six plus guys with an OPS over a thousand. Uh, but game three, game three was not to be outdone. Uh, that, this was highlighted by a four 
Four for five day from center fielder, super senior Tanner Treadway at the plate. Uh, he had four extra base hits, two homers, two doubles. And then Kendall Pettis, I mean, if you haven't seen the play, you don't watch sports because this this was a phenomenal, phenomenal catch and a real phenomenal day by Pettis. Uh, he flipped into the bullpen on a foul ball in the fifth inning, uh, holding on, doing a perfect handstand, and then homers in the next inning as well as making another diving play an inning after that. Uh, Cade Horton was electric on the mound in game three, going six innings with two earned runs and eight strikeouts, not allowing a hit uh, to this entire Virginia Tech offense as a staff from the second inning on. And this, he retired 11 of the final 12 hitters he faced and sent the Sooners to Omaha by a score of 11 to two. Uh, yeah, OU, OU continues to impress. Uh, after that game, too, you kind of thought that they were out of juice, I would say. Because uh, Virginia Tech once again just put it on them early and ran away with that game, and you thought that you know the bats were going to come alive for him, but now Cade Cade Horton, man, I mean his last three starts have been incredible, and he's shutting down some of the best lineups in the country. And OU is OU is moving on. I mean, obviously I was very happy uh, the entire time. So in talking about this one, definitely more enjoyable for sure. Yeah. Uh... As Notre Dame should have hosted, OU should have hosted. I don't, I don't like that the Sooners had to go play on the road throughout the tournament, especially with the way the the top sixteen ended up being. I feel like it's not fair to them. It obviously didn't matter, but they should have hosted. Um, they're finally getting getting their props though, which I think they should have gotten two months ago. Um. That Oklahoma team is very, very scary. I think if, if – I don't know. I, if you're a betting man and you see a $10 bet for Oklahoma to win the entire thing, I wouldn't hesitate putting money on that one because uh, that's a dark horse team right there. They look really, really good, and they've looked good for the latter half of the season. Uh, definitely was a fun super regional to watch. Oh, yeah. I mean, Peyton Graham, Spikerman, Treadway, I mean – Treadway has hit nine homers all year, and this was his. This is his final year. He's out of eligibility, and he made it. Sh- he made sure that they were going to keep playing. Uh, this he's one of one of the most underrated players, I would say, in the country. I mean, he's not going to flash you with the numbers. His average is incredible. Uh, the power numbers obviously aren't there. He's more of a more of a uh, speed defensive center fielder that hits four hole for the Sooners. I mean, Peyton Graham, Blake Robinson, the list goes on and on. I mean this. This team's playing well, and like I said, Treadway, Pettis, Cade Horton, those are the standouts, and yeah, OU's moving on, first time since 2010. Now we get into College Station uh, with the Aggies. Um, Sloss and the boys, hashtag Pringles, or however that one works. I don't really understand it, to be honest with you, but I just know it's the Pringles guy. He was in College Station. He was hitting the gritty outside of Reed Arena about 10 minutes from my house. I'm really disappointed, first off, before we get into it. I'm disappointed I didn't go see the Pringles, man. I really wanted to. The picture would have been immaculate. But anyways. <laughs> um, anyways, the region, the Super Regional itself. Let's get into that. Uh, the Aggies are headed back to Omaha for the first time since 2017. I believe um, so. Yeah. Because that was a year, any who's 2017, if not, it's 2018, one of two years. 
Uh, they took down Louisville five to four. Uh, game one on Friday night uh, on a clutch magic clutch single to walk that one off. Uh, game two, much of the same. Ryan Targotch tied things up on a solo shot in the sixth to make it 3-3. And Dylan Rock followed with the go-ahead run on a sack fly in the seventh. And Schloss on a 3-2 count in the eighth inning pulled freshman Brad Rudis after a series of foul balls by Ben Medzinger of Louisville and brought out Jacob Polish, who got the K and ended up finishing things off in the ninth inning, sending the Aggies to Omaha. Fun fact, before we do an analysis, uh, you remember my roommate freshman year? Uh, yes, I do. Josh, right? Uh, Jake. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, Jake and Brad Rudis went to the same high school, FYI. Really? Brad Rudis well, from Massonville, freshman. Yeah, I didn't think I didn't think you'd be seeing a freshman, true freshman, coming in and in a situation like that against the heart of the Louisville lineup, but you did. And he's a good one. Anyways. Um I think this the series was won on the coaching side of it. It wasn't really won by the players. Like there were some coaching decisions throughout all three games that kind of swayed momentum back and forth. And I think the the kicker obviously was the three two, you know, full count. Let me pull my pitcher in the highest possible situation and throw my guy in for the biggest pitch of his life, and it worked out. You know, I it was a very good series. I watched all three games. Um, could pretty much hear Olsen Field from my house if you listen close enough. Um, that was a good one. I enjoyed watching that one. That was a bunch of good baseball. In Louisville, I mean. I don't know. I think they made a few critical mistakes. I think they left their starter in game one too long. Um, just things like that. I don't think they made the right pitching moves when they had to and stuff like that. But A&M definitely deserves to be there, the way they played the season and the way they handled Louisville in the Super Regional. I like A&M going to Omaha personally. Yeah, A&M's, I mean, like you said, it, it really was one on the coaching. I mean, these are – Two one one run ball games, and to have a guy like uh, Jim Sloshenagel with, with all the pedigree that he has uh, to be your head man, and I don't know, have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen a coach pull a pitcher on a full count in in the late innings? Like not that, not that big at of a situation this level, not at this level. No, I've seen it in little league when you're at a pitch count, but not in this level. <laughs> Not. <laughs> yeah, that that kind of puts it into perspective. I mean, I I was watching the game and I'm like, wait, did they say that right? Did, is he pulling in on a three two count? But you know, sure enough, you got a guy like Jacob Polish on the back end. I mean, he's lights out. He's he's incredible. He's one of the top pitchers, I would say, in the country, and honestly, kind of underrated. I mean, Schloss has pulled in what what was it, fourteen fifteen transfers in his first year, and they got it done. It's a very old team. It's a very experienced team, which makes me, you know, I love the run that they're on. It's it's almost unheard of. I mean, they were picked, what, at best six in the West to start the year? Yeah, I believe overall in the SEC they were picked 13th out of 14th and are now in Omaha. Like, yeah, that it's is... like I love the run and I love what the team does. They don't, they don't beat you with – something right like they don't 
hit the ball harder than you. They don't throw harder than you. They don't throw more strikes. They don't have more talent in the lineup than give anybody, you know, whoever. But they play really, really good baseball, and they play clutch baseball, and they play team baseball. But the thing that worries me is, how's the outlook going to be from here? Because a lot of this team won't come back, right? I mean, it's all graduate transfer. A lot of them are graduate transfer, stuff like that. Um, how does that make you feel for the outlook of how the Aggies are going to be? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that getting to Omaha in the first year under Schloss, I mean, Schloss is, you know, he's going to he's going to recruit like he's going to recruit no matter where he's at. But uh, yeah, like this, this kind of cements it, I would say. I Obviously, will they be as good next year as they are this year? Maybe. But probably not. I mean, you're going to lose a lot of experience in the lineup, a lot of guys that have played a lot of baseball and have a lot of collegiate at-bats. Um, but I think he's – I wouldn't say turning the program around because I think the program was in a fairly decent spot before him. Uh, but, yeah, no, they're this – is, this is going to help them out a lot for sure. This run, um, what they're doing, I mean, the, the crowd's electric. I mean, Olsen Field, like you said, you can hear it from your house, and I think I could hear it from my house in Oklahoma. I mean, it was it was that loud. Yeah, I've never, I've lived here for nineteen years, twenty years. I've never seen the town so buzzed over Aggie baseball, and it's awesome because I'm a baseball guy. I've been going to Aggie games, even though I'm not an Aggie fan. I've been going since I was could walk, right? I saw all the renovations to it, everything. I've been going to games through all of it, and they've never had a buzz like this. It's awesome because I like going to watch high-leverage good baseball, and I can now. You know, it's not, oh, well, Vanderbilt's coming to town. They're going to, you know, sweep A&M, all that kind of stuff. You know, they're like, you know, we're going to go out there. We're going to compete with people. It's fun to watch when crowds sold out all the time. Ah, just seeing it in your hometown is awesome. I love oh, yeah. It. Yeah, no doubt. Uh Speaking of awesome atmospheres, the uh, the Hattiesburg, the Hattiesburg Super Regional, uh, Battle of the Sip, it was the Ole Miss Rebels who went from being the last team in the field of sixty four. Uh, story, yeah, like this is incredible. Uh, they were pretty much the last team picked to make the postseason. What most people and us included thought they shouldn't have even gotten in the tournament, and here they are. They won the Super Regional and they're going to Omaha. Uh, in game one, Dylan DeLucia was lights out, and the Rebels put up a seven spot in the six innings to put things out of reach, uh, winning against Southern Miss 10 to nothing. Um, in game two, pretty much a copycat of that. Uh, freshman Hunter Elliott, I mean, he's a he's a damn dude. He continues to impress. He went seven and in, seven in third innings of shutout ball with 10 Ks, only giving up three hits to Southern Miss. And the Rebels won game two, five to nothing. Uh, 15 to nothing, in-state rival at their park in one of the toughest places to play in the country. Uh, yeah, that that's hard enough. But what Ole Miss has done when they got into the postseason, I mean, you got to remember, people most of this year were saying that Coach Bianco should be fired uh, despite all he's done for the program. <laughs> he's, def- he's definitely hurt him and responded in a big way. Uh, so five games in the NCAA tournament, Ole Miss is outscoring their opponents 46-11 to 11 in five games. And they played, you know, Arizona – uh, the sixth seed Miami at their place. They swept through that and then sweeping through once again the Super Regional against a really good Southern Miss squad. I mean, the Rebels are hot. Like, did people forget? Like, this team is good. <laughs> They've been good. 
they've had the talent all year. They're just banged up throughout the season. Uh, whether if it wasn't that, they just couldn't put a couple wins together in a row. But they've been good. They've been this caliber of team the entire season. And, I mean, you really can't say any other straightforward or any more cliche, but they are putting it together at the right time. <laughs> like, they look good. They look like the team we predicted them to be in the preseason. Yeah, preseason number one, right? Uh, pretty Yeah, if it wasn't LSU, it was Ole Miss. So yeah, yeah, right. I mean, they're – really kind of figuring out the rotation. I mean, Delucia was a bullpen guy to start out, and then now he's their Friday night ace. And then Hunter Elliott, I mean, first of all, I thought it was Doug Casey at first. I was like, what the hell? I thought he was in pro ball. Uh, looks like the exact same and pitches the exact same as well. I mean, really good curveball for a freshman on a big stage. He struck out 18 batters in the in- against the number six seed Miami and obviously Southern Miss. Uh, yeah, he's a guy. Yeah, I don't – He's a guy. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, he is definitely a guy. I thought it was in pro ball too, to be honest with you. Um, but you know, I don't feel as bad now that LSU lost out of the Hattiesburg Regional. But how sweet it would have been to have LSU Ole Miss play at the box. Anyways, oh. next year. Anyways, Chapel Hill. Let's get into it. Uh, obviously hosted by the North Carolina Tar Heels. Um, but I think we can now call it Arkansas University at Chapel Hill. Um, the Razorbacks and coach Dave Van Horn are headed back to the College World Series. They beat North Carolina 4-1 to and 4-3 to to win the Super Regional. And in game one, Connor Nolan was outstanding. Uh, he went six and two-thirds, no runs, six Ks, looked a lot better than he has because that was the question mark, right? Going into the tournament was can Connor Nolan figure it out? And through his starts in the, in the postseason, he has figured it out because for a while, for a couple starts there, he didn't look like Connor Nolan. You can admit that. Everyone saw it. He didn't look very good, but he comes out when it matters and he looks elite. And then in game two, Arkansas, uh, they prevailed. They scored two runs in the ninth highlighted by Brady Slavin's walk-off single through the infield in what was a dogfight of a game. Both teams traded runs until the Slavin's heroics in the bottom of the ninth. And Arkansas is going to be your 2022 national champions. (laughs) Um, God, they look good, man. God, they look good. They bamboozled everybody. They really put everybody. Yeah. It was, you know, when yeah, I was putting this together, when I was putting this together, actually, because, you know, as we know, Arkansas is a powerhouse. They're a blue-blooded college baseball. Dave Van Horn's a legend. Uh, so you expect them to win 45, 50 games all year, be a top-five team consistently every week. And they didn't do that this year. Uh, Robert Moore underperformed a lot. Uh, obviously, he's come on as a late. Uh, he's the Robert Moore we all know. But as at the at the plate, he hasn't performed up to his standards, I would say, at all, um, as well as really the whole lineup, aside from uh, Lanzilli and Michael Turner all year. But the lineup's stepping up. Uh, no one's been electric as he needed to be in the postseason, like we said. Uh, freshman Hagen Smith, Brady Tiger, uh, there's some dudes, and they're finally getting it together. Uh, Dave Van Horn, 
he did it again. And this team's forty three and nineteen. That's the thing. Is well, see, yeah, that that's what I was gonna say. You know, the way you said they underperformed, they were the SEC West champions until the last day of the season. Right. Yeah. That's that's the crazy part. Is like we're so used to Arkansas being so dominant. Like they weren't dominant per se most of the season, but now they are. And they're they're really, like you said, they're scary. They're really scary. They look really good. They probably look the best going into it right now. So getting into uh, the final Super Regional matchup, uh, we had Greenville, North Carolina with the East Carolina Pirates. Uh, Texas welcomed themselves to the jungle, and they're returning to Omaha for a record 37th time. Uh, ECU took game one 13-7 behind a five-run eighth inning, uh, which was highlighted by that home run that popped out of Douglas Hutto's glove into the left field seats. Um, this set the stage, stage for game two. Uh, the Longhorns came back in a, just an impressive, impressive rally. Uh, they were down seven to two and scored seven runs in their last three innings led up by homers from Douglas Hodo and then Skyler Messenger, who tied things up with a three-run shot to right field. Uh, this was followed up in the eighth inning by a Dylan Cambo oppo shot to give Texas an eight to seven lead. Uh, East Carolina was not done. Jacob Starling hit one into the jungle to tie things up in the ninth, which was, I mean, it the place was electric all weekend. Uh, but Dylan Campbell played hero once again. Uh, bases loaded, bottom of the ninth. He had a ball off the wall in right field to win the game and complete the comeback. Uh, in game three, Texas rode that momentum from the comeback the day before, uh, going up 4 to, four nothing early on a bomb by the Hispanic Titanic, Ivan Melendez, which broke Chris Bryant's single-season home run record. He now sits at 32 homers. Uh, a five-hour rain delay ensued after this, uh, with play resuming at 10.15 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and Texas stayed hot. They poured on the runs after the rain delay, uh, didn't miss a beat, and they won 11-1, to of course, punching their ticket to Omaha. Yeah, Texas that <laughs> man. That game three was a statement. Man, they were on the ropes the entire weekend, on the ropes a couple times in the regional. And, yeah, that game three was a was definitely a, a damn statement. We're here. We're not going anywhere. The most World Series appearances of all time. And we're going to add another one while we're at it. And they did just that. What is that, number 39 or 38? 37, I believe it's 37. So, uh, I believe it's been 75 College World Series so far, and Texas has been there 37 times and has missed out, I want to say, 36 times. It only has six titles. Anyways. <laughs> um, yeah, that's – I mean, no, but like you said, like, it was a statement. It was a huge statement for sure. Uh, a lot of people – a lot of people picked ECU in this just from the atmosphere alone. And that's something else I want to talk about. I mean, go ahead. East Carolina, the the atmosphere at that stadium defines college baseball. Uh, the place was absolutely rocking the entire weekend, even when they were down eleven to one. I mean, these exactly. Fan, these fans stuck around for what a six hour delay after the team was down four to nothing, and then. Texas jumped out to that early lead after the rain delay, and I believe it was nine to one uh, after the fourth inning. And these fans, it sounded like the fans were, you know, cheering on the team that 
was about to punch their ticket to Omaha for the first time in school history. Uh, the jungle, the jungle lived up to his name. I mean, that that's fun. Like just watching that game, it made watching the game, even though the East Carolina was down 10 runs, uh, staring the end of their season in the face. Also, I wanted to add to, um, I said Ivan Melendez would hit a ball 7,000 feet there. He might have hit 8,000 feet in game that ball one. Was, that ball was touched, dog. Oh, my Jesus. God. Like, I was <laughs> – so I was – I wasn't watching the game. I was at listening to it, and I heard the sound off of the bat, and I immediately stopped what I was doing and went to the replay. And uh, there's the jungle behind the left field wall. Of course, obviously, there's grass there. And there's a parking lot where everyone tailgates and uh, sings karaoke during rain delays and gets absolutely hammered, uh, which, you know, is defines college baseball. And then there's a gate. Then there is a four-lane road, and then more trees past the road. Ivan Melendez hit it over the four-lane road. Like, it was – it said 468 feet. There, I don't believe that. I, it no way. Pu- it was pushing 500. Like, that was – that ball was touched. Like that it was one of the the one ball. of the furthest balls I've seen hit in college. I mean, he's going to win the Golden Spikes, and it's going to be fun to see him in Omaha for sure. I mean, you feel for East Carolina once again. I mean, they twenty game win streak after being fourteen and thirteen, losing their ace Carson Wisenhunt to PEDs before the season even starts. And I mean, what a job! Like, I want to talk more about East Carolina than I do Texas, and they lost the Super Regional. That's the thing. Yeah, I feel the same way, but. I mean, you you give a blue blood any chance to stick around and figure something out, they're going to. Yeah, that was that was their chance that second game. I mean, you're up seven to two with nine outs to go. You got to be able to get that done, especially against a team like Texas. And I mean, David Pierce he continues to do it. Texas continues to do it. I mean, they're they're blue blood for a reason, and they're moving on once again. And it's going to be fun for sure. So getting into um, the field, the the College World Series field actually just wrapped up. So Auburn, Auburn advanced. Auburn hung on to win four to three. They just dogpiled. I hope Sonny Deshara wasn't on top of people during that dogpile because that would hurt just like he puts a hurt on the baseball. Um, field set, we have in bracket, or excuse me, field set. James, if you want to go ahead and get into the brackets. Uh, bracket one, which is the left side of the bracket is Notre Dame, Texas, Oklahoma, and Texas A&M. And then bracket two, which is the right side of the bracket, is Arkansas, Stanford, Ole Miss, and Auburn. Uh, That left bracket is getting all the attention right now. Wait, hold on. No, no, no. I, I think that's wrong. I think Arkansas is in that left bracket. Arkansas is in bracket one, dude. No, they're uh, – they play – um. They play Stanford. Okay, okay. So, okay, never mind. Okay, okay. My yeah, so, so the, the brackets are going to be um, – it's going to be Notre Dame against Texas, and then OU will play A&M. A&M, and then Arkansas, Stanford, Ole Miss, Auburn. Correct, yes. Okay, okay yeah. Okay, I, I saw something, and because I hadn't – because I knew all the teams weren't punched yet, so I didn't look at the field, and I saw something on Twitter that said, a&M, Arkansas, OU, and Notre Dame were all this, or Arkansas, A&M, OU, and Texas were all in the same bracket, and I was like, wow, that's crazy. But having OU, Texas, and A&M in one side of the bracket still is 
the storyline writes itself. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the, going back to the Big Eight days, uh, and of course the Big Twelve days. You know, OU Texas speaks for himself. That was that's the Red River rivalry. Uh, it was the Big Twelve tournament championship game. A uh, and M, of course, moving to the SEC, which, which is crazy to think about. It's been almost about about ten years now, uh, and yeah, dude, this is bracket one is insane. I mean, Notre Dame's not even getting talked about, and Notre Dame just upset the number one seed. <laughs> yeah, Notre Dame. Notre Dame doesn't care right now. They're, you know what? Notre Dame's my pick out the bracket. Come on, no one's talking about them. Every, all the attentions on A&M in Texas. Oh, was OU going to play Texas again? All this kind of stuff. Notre Dame's just going to waltz out of that. If they if they can beat Texas, I think they get out of that side of the bracket. It's not close, to be honest. Yeah, it's like we said. I mean, Finley out of the pen, Rayo, uh, Brooks Coetzee, Carter Putts, Jack Brannigan. I mean, Notre Dame, Notre Dame should not be as slept on as they are. Uh, they continue to get no respect from the committee. Uh, you, they sent him to the freaking Starksville Super Regional uh, last year against the what would it be the national champion in Mississippi State, and the you know sent him to the Super Regional in Tennessee, and they responded. They're they're really good, man. Like we've been saying that all year, so it's no surprise to us. But Notre Dame is. I could definitely see Notre Dame coming out of that side of the bracket. On the other side, on the other bracket. I'm gonna go Arkansas. Like, I, uh, no, Arkansas, yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, Arkansas is just—they've turned it on. I mean, you have Dave Van Horn. You're gonna win ball games in the postseason. Dave Van Horn alone lets helps them win games in the postseason. Uh, Brady Tiger is sensational. I don't know if you've seen Brady Tiger pitch this year, but that curveball is would be elite in the MLB right now. I mean, it's three thousand RPMs plus. I mean, that thing's thing's absolutely disgusting. I got to see a lot of it during that Oklahoma State uh, regional, and dude was spinning there. It looked like it was going to hit the hip of a right-handed hitter and low and away painted strike. Uh, but you know, Stanford wouldn't surprise me either, or Ole Miss, or hell, even Auburn. I mean, the SEC West is dominating the, the freaking College World Series. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun for sure. Yeah, it is. It's. I'm excited to be honest with you. I'm very, very ready for this. Yeah. Who's your pick? Who you got? National champion. Oh, Jesus. God, Notre Dame and Arkansas catch my eye. I think that's going to be the series. Give me... Give me... Give me Notre Dame in three. Give me Notre yeah. Dame over Arkansas in three. That's a that's a solid pick. I mean, honestly, any way you spin it, I think any one of these four teams on each side um, will obviously match up against the other. And I think that series, I think we're going to get a three-game national championship series, no doubt. Like, no matter who's in it, I think it's that wide open. Um, I'm going to go – I'm going to go Texas – even though that feels illegal for me to say. Uh, I'm going to go Texas <laughs> to the national title, and then I'm going to say that they face Arkansas, which if that's the case, oh, my God. <laughs> Blue yeah, blood for central. real, dude. Blue blood central. But I'm going to go Arkansas. I think Arkansas finally gets it done. 
I think Dan Van Horn gets it done. Uh, I think they're playing just too good a baseball right now to be stopped. Uh, yeah, the Arkansas-Stanford matchup round one is going to be fun on Saturday. Uh, of course, Friday, bracket one gets kicked off with OU-Texas A&M at one. Uh, and then Notre Dame and Texas in the nightcap. Arkansas and Stanford will play on day two to open things up at one. And then Ole Miss and Auburn uh, will go at it in the nightcap as well. But, yeah, I'm going to go Arkansas. I think Dave Van Horn gets it done. But, dude, it's going to be – this is going to be one of the most exciting College World Series that I think we've seen in a while, and which makes me really happy that I will get to be there in person to witness it. Yeah, I wish I could go, but circumstances circumstances retrieve me from going. Oh, well, we we get it. You know, it's all good. Which once again, uh, we will be there. I will be there. Uh, June 21st to the 26th. So uh, we have tickets for the Tuesday, the 21st for both games. Uh, then Wednesday, of course, if there were, if games played, uh, we will be attending that. And then also games one and two of the championship series. Uh, so I hope that the championship series is two games so I can see the national champion be crowned. But once again, I'm expecting a three game championship series. I think we're going to get all the baseball that we want. And yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. It's, I'm looking forward to it. It will be. I'm excited. I'm very excited. All right. So now you have our picks. Uh, James took Notre Dame. I took Arkansas. You guys can hold us to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> if it shades up to anything close to what the postseason has been, we will be completely fucking wrong. <laughs> we'll be seeing, we'll be seeing, uh, OU and Ole Miss or something. Shit. Just teams we didn't think would. Like, I'm I mean, okay I mean, with whoever, to be honest. I would, yeah, I mean, like, obviously. Obviously, it's I'd rather be, A&M not. But anybody, I, I'd be happy with whoever, to be honest. I don't really. It, I don't really see any blow, I don't see any blowouts happening. I, I think these are all going to be tightly contest, contested ball games. Yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be so fun. I'm looking forward to Friday, for sure. All right, so that's going to wrap up episode 13, uh, the Super Regional Recap, of course, the College World Series predictions. Uh, really appreciate you guys listening. Thanks for sticking in with us uh, this entire season. Uh, looking forward to uh, ending the season on a high note. Uh, once again, make sure you're following us on Twitter at FungoTalkPod. At, on Instagram at FungoTalkPod underscore. Just search FungoTalkPodcast. Um of course, leave us that five-star rating on Apple and Spotify podcast, as well as a great review. Uh, once again, we will be in Omaha giving you live coverage. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Stay up to date on all the social medias. Uh, yeah, we're out of here, boys. Have a good one.